The Andy Staples Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deal on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Want to go see Ohio State play Michigan? Go to GameTime. Want to go to the Iron Bowl? Go to GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show Rankings Overreaction Edition. And bringing in a guy, it, it's funny because most of my friends, not big overreactors. So Stanford Steve Coughlin from ESPN, you know him from uh, SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt, you know him from Stanford Steve and the Bear, the best gambling college football podcast going uh, where you get winners every single week. Van Pelt's winners, eh. They're okay. Stanford Steven, the Bears winners, solid. What's up? How we doing, my man? It's uh, week 14. We're usually uh, grabbing some meals uh, earlier in the season on the road, meeting up. But, uh, you know, you got your thing going. I got my thing going. So I know there's a game later in the year in New Orleans, and maybe we could rendezvous at that Galliano place again. Yes, for those who don't know, Stanford Steve and I rang in the new year a couple of years ago at a place called Galliano in New Orleans. They have a thing on the menu. I don't even, is it on, I don't even know if it's actually on the menu, but it is double cut prime rib for two, which of course each of us ordered for one. <laughs> it's like 60 ounces of of prime rib. It was tremendous. Yep. I can't. I've been thinking of blacking the whole way, the way they do it good down there. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, these people don't mess around. But first, we got to figure out who is going to be playing there. And part of the process is this, you know, every week they, they reveal the rankings and there was, there was stuff that happened this week. It, it right at the top, they, they jumped Ohio state over LSU. Were you surprised at that, Steve? I, I, I was because Andy, as the week got going last week, you know, I, I I'm listening to you guys, all your guys stuff on the athletic, other guys I talked to, you know, at, at ESPN, and the, the whole idea of, you know, this noon game with Penn State and Ohio State, I'm just – it can't be this easy. And what I mean by that is Ohio State just, you know, just trucking people week after week. And I understood that Penn State was the best team they were going to play up to that point. I understood Penn State had played and been tested and even lost the game coming into that. So I was going into the idea, um, you know, that I wanted to see fields – you know, I think it was 58 passes he had in the second half of games going into that game. Like, I, there's no way it was that easy. He ha- I wanted to see him tested. Now, they were tested because of their own mistakes. So, I think that's what the committee saw. I didn't get to see Rob Mullen's interview uh, with Reese tonight to, to explain that. But from what I would gather, I think the totality of that, the, the, um, you know, the idea that Arkansas scored a couple touchdowns on LSU – and everybody just wanted to poke holes at LSU on, uh, about their defense because that's all you can poke holes at. Um, I, I saw that, but I also I'm I, I'm trying to read into it, Andy, and and you're better at that stuff than I am. They have to start setting up stuff geographically for those semifinals. I mean, if it were to happen, 
where LSU and Georgia were set up for a rematch or something, that can't happen again a, a week late or, you know, in the next game in Atlanta again. So I, I'm starting to look at the geographic, uh, geographical things with obviously Glendale being one and, and Atlanta being the other. So I, from listening to Rob Mullins and, I, and I've read the transcript of his call with the reporters too, it seemed to me that the, the excuse they were looking for to put Ohio State over LSU, and I don't necessarily blame them for this, is that Ohio State is the more complete team, that they have the better defense, and that was that was what Rob Mullen said. But what but I find it interesting that it, that they do it this week instead of last week when you know LSU was coming off the the Ole Miss game where Rice Plumley had just torn them apart. Ohio State finally looked human for once. It's it's like the scene in Rocky Four. I was saying on Sunday where you know he, where Drago bleeds. Like, yes, they made mistakes, but they made mistakes. We haven't even seen them do that all year. So that's the part they got rewarded for looking human, which I think is interesting. I I still think if you go eye test on this thing, Ohio State should be number one. But I mean, it, it's funny because it gives it. I I do think. The geography of it, I don't know. It that never came, like we did the mock selection that never came up. You never thought about where it's going to be, but but you're right. And then and then the idea of Clemson playing two hours from home as the, the lower seeded team. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving parts. But let's let's move a little further down the rankings because everybody knew Oregon lost to Arizona State, so Oregon was going to drop. What was going to happen next? Was Alabama going to stay at five? What were they going to do with Utah? And then what were they going to do with Oklahoma? Now, we, we take this in pieces. So let's let's start with Alabama. because One, because it just ticks people off. They're parked at number five still. Reese, I think, has the best word for this. Placeholder. They're waiting for somebody to win a conference title and just jump them into number four. Assuming Georgia doesn't beat LSU. That's That's the way I look at that. Uh, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I, I think it's there for Utah for the taking. Um, I know people wanted, you know, people. I, I said all last week that people used Oregon as a talking point for the teams behind Oklahoma because it was easy. You know, they could have a common point, opponent with Auburn eventually, and you know, Oregon's a you know more nationally known program. Um, I, I said all, and I know, and I don't, I don't as much gambling as I talk. I don't ever account for this stuff when they try and do, well, if so-and-so played so-and-so, who would be favored? I don't do that when I look at these rankings and these teams. But Utah is going to be favored. They were going to be, whether Oregon won or lost last week, Utah was going to be favored against Oregon. And that's why I was actually fired up because I thought Utah was a little bit more under the radar. So I think Utah is there for the taking. That that fourth spot is theirs, assuming LSU beats Georgia. Uh, the, the the one I have a, a problem with, I, I, I'm sorry, you want to go piece by piece, but I, I think Utah definitely wins out and they jump Alabama. I don't want to go too far ahead with you. Well, we can, we can do, I, I think I know where you're going. So let's talk about the Big 12 because Oklahoma moves to seven where now they are in striking distance where it did not feel like they were before. The bigger piece of the Big 12 is Baylor jumps five spots after beating Texas. Like, all of a sudden, the committee respects Baylor when it hadn't respected them all year. It didn't respect them when they were undefeated. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's where, I mean, when I said I started reading in this about Ohio State jumping the one, like, I start seeing that as a a possibly, you know, 
them trying to set up as many playing games or, you know, get that as much as they can on championship Saturday. And with that, with big, the big 12, I was texting with Bruce Feldman this week, just about, I mean, he's seen Oklahoma. I thought it was four times. He said it was three times in person, but I've watched them enough. He's got to begin on Saturday. Yeah. And I just, they, I don't know. I, they don't seem deserving to me, Andy. And I know it's not deserving, but they don't impress me, man. It's the same thing every week. Um, and it really worries me. I thought Gundy was awesome uh, yesterday in his press conference when he said, this is a triple option team that runs the shotgun and spreads you out. He goes, look at the carries. He averaged out all the great Oklahoma quarterback carries, uh, you, know, um, you know, through their careers and what they averaged. And Hurts is like 50 carries over that, uh, which I thought was just absolutely mind-blowing to me. So Oklahoma is the one that really I, – I just – I want more, man. Like, as much as we thought it was a plug-in and play with Jalen, like, now the sample size is bigger. He's been – you know, he's showing those – the turnovers problems that he had back at Bama when they struggled offensively. And a lot of this stuff is, is self-inflicted. I love the roster. I like the – I mean, they got a couple guys on defense that I'll take to the next level any day of the week. Now, they've been, you know, the, the typical stereotype of, of an Oklahoma defense. I think C.D. Lamb's the best at his position in the country. But as a whole, man, I just – I don't know if it's fatigue because it seems like it's the same story with Oklahoma every year. Um, but I, I – they, they – I am really – really still questioning the Sooners. So I am totally hypocritical when it comes to Oklahoma, and here's why. I Part of me says they're either going to lose Bedlam or going to lose the Big 12 championship game. But part of me says if they win both of those, they should jump everybody and go to four, assuming LSU beats Georgia. And Wow. That, okay. Because, okay, I, I, I rolled this th- this out last week, and it, it's I call it my kidnap the coach of the number one team and uh, dose him with true serum uh, you know method of picking number four. And now I'm I'm sure my my team of of thugs is much happier. My hired goons much happier because they have to kidnap Ryan Day instead of Ed Orgeron. You kidnap him, dose him. Who would you rather play, <laughs> Oklahoma or Utah? Utah, congratulations, you're playing Oklahoma. I just feel like they would scare Ohio State more. I don't know. And, and and I get why this drives people crazy because this is me using the eye test. This is me probably bringing in a little bit of, of last year and the year before because Lincoln Riley just figures out a way. But if you, if you give me truth serum, I think Oklahoma would give Ohio State a better game than Utah would. That's all there is to it. Wow. Okay. And I what about if Oklahoma played Utah? I, I think Oklahoma might beat Utah. Here's my thing. Who is Utah beaten that's really impressed you? Now, I, I, I've said this a couple times. Utah is welcome to change my mind by pounding on Oregon. You pound on Oregon, I will feel differently because I know Oregon is a very well-constructed team. Okay. I I, I watch Utah. I'm an, I'm, a, I'm a, obviously a Pac-12 guy. I haven't played there. Um, I watch them every week. Um, and I just – I love the way they go about business. And they are not a um, – they're not going to wow you on the eye test. They – the way they go about things, their head coach, Kyle Whittingham, might be the fiercest guy there is as a head coach of college football. He's the most soft-spoken guy in the world. We had the 
like blast microphones whenever he would come to ESPN to do an interview because he's so soft spoken. It's it's almost a whisper. And when he you know when he gets in closed doors with his team, he's a totally different person. I get that, but I I, I just want to see that team, man. They rotate eleven guys up front on defense. I think that I mean in a year where I keep asking you know people that I'm close with who has the best defense in the country. Um, it, it, and it, and it could be changed, you know, week to week. We saw a little vulnerability with, with, with number two, uh, for Ohio state out there, um, with guys going right at them. But I just, I, I just feel like it's Utah's time. And I, I think they're deserving of it. And I think they would prove it. It's just, they're not going to wow you with the eye test. And I get that for people that don't watch them all the time. Uh, maybe that should be, uh, but that's another conversation. Well, here's the thing. They are great on both lines of scrimmage. And you're right, especially on the D-line. And Bradley and I is, I mean, he's a full-grown man. Mm-hmm. But I worry about their skill guys. And, and I realize, you know, like Moss was hurt in the USC game. Rob Mullins brought that up a couple times. Yep. Now that is, they are they are using that as here's why they lost to USC. Mm-hmm. I would say that them letting Michael Pittman catch balls against double coverage quite a few times is a bigger reason why they lost to USC. Yep. But... I, I just that's what I worry about if they if they had to play an LSU or a Clemson or or an Ohio State could they keep pace and I I don't know because they're a little like Georgia to be honest yeah, yeah see I think they're I think they're a better version of like when you take in the totality of the team I think maybe kicker Georgia's got them but I mean I I, I think that's a, that's an even matchup man I I, I believe that a Georgia's not going to wow you you know I thought Ruby says the great analogy with them that they're in a mid-sized rental car you know that's just fine you know it shakes a little when you go too fast on the highway but um they're 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 solid. are you, are you calling georgia a mitsubishi lancer <laughs> georgia's a mitsubishi lancer that is on offense, shockingly the offense, the offense, the act, offense. right offense. I, I understand that yeah yeah no I, and i'm with you they do just enough to get by mm-hmm. and i don't think that's a way to be in 2019 i think that was a way to win national championships in 2008 2012 it's not a way to be in 2019 you've got to be able to score if you get drawn into a shootout i mean shoot the georgia team that that made the national title game won a shootout in the rose bowl it was capable of playing both ways this one doesn't feel like it is but i guess we'll find out when they play lsu Mm. yeah i mean i actually think they match up well with lsu um, and, and that's, you know, that we're going to see that one that's set up. Uh, so it, I mean, it, it's tough, you know, when you start breaking it down, like we're doing right now with matchups, that's a whole different, you know, um, idea than who I see playing, you know, in those final four games. So that's the, I think the love we all have with this is discussing it and, and, and trying to and point out what the heck happens because we haven't even talked about the scenarios and what that brings about to the the committee. No. Can I tell you what made me super happy, though, about the move tonight? And I realize it's not permanent. They have a clean sheet, blah, 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 blah. Ohio State and Clemson were moved away from each other in the the semis. Uh, I want that to be a final, if that's the matchup we see. Why? I feel like those those are the two most complete teams. Okay. I think that would be epic. If that's the national title game, and one of them's going to have to beat LSU to get there, well, that's what I that, was 
Yeah, I mean, but two. whoever's two is going to have to beat Clemson and the other one. So, I mean, if you're going to win it, you're going to definitely earn it. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, it's going to be beautiful. All right, <laughs> you mentioned scenarios. Let's yep. let's talk scenarios, and, and including my favorite scenario, the the eight-team playoff comes sooner scenario, which is Alabama sneaks in. What has to happen for Alabama to sneak in? Oregon beats Utah in the yep. Pac-12 title game. That's that's obvious. I think Oklahoma loses Bedlam and then wins the Big 12. Yep. Alabama beats Auburn, obviously. Mm-hmm. And LSU beats Georgia. That's all that has to happen. That is all plausible. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. People keep, you know, um, you know, you know, saying, you know, it's not going to happen. The Mac Jones thing, uh, they can't do it. Uh, the committee's just going to no, say that you know two is out, and therefore they are unequiv- not unequivocally better than anybody else. Uh, it, no, it is a definite possibility. And I was actually looking at in 2017, the week they lost to Auburn. I was able to, I was out in Vegas and placed a wager that they were going to win it, knowing that they needed help to get in. And I ended up being fortunate, uh, thanks to uh, Tua in that second half of winning some money because it was it was everyone saying, all right, they're out, they're out. I'm like, they're, they're not out. It's Alabama, man. They, they always have a chance with this. And that was just one week of sitting at home and watching two SEC teams beat up themselves. But the issue that Alabama has is all these one-loss conference champions that are possible. You just laid it out, with, which would incorporate two uh, conference champions with two losses. So that's, that's, the, that's the scenario. Um, but I don't think any of those top three teams would fear Alabama um, at all and would really, really welcome that challenge if they were able to get them in a matchup in the playoffs. We'll be back to the podcast in a minute, but first, a very important message on a very, very important eating weekend. Are you planning to spend Rivalry Weekend in your sweatpants watching college football but sick of Thanksgiving leftovers? Enter DoorDash, restaurant-quality food, with a living room dress code. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. You just pop open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite too. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code STAPLES. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code STAPLES. Don't forget, that's promo code STAPLES for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Now back to the podcast. This is the year you want to get Alabama because absolutely when when, when they introduce the starting defense at Bryant Denny Stadium this year, it's freshman, freshman, mm-hmm. freshman, freshman, freshman. It is not what you're used to seeing on that side of the ball, and and so I'm not even as worried about the Tua injury because Mac Jones is pretty good. Those receivers are awesome. That line is good. Najee Harris is really good. That part I think they can probably handle. I would worry about them defending Clemson and Ohio State. We've already seen them try to defend LSU. It didn't go very well. That That's the issue I have. And that's why I think the committee will look for reasons to put a 12-1 and conference champion above them. Absolutely. And that's that's what I was pointing out with, in 2017. There wasn't any of those. Um, everybody had two losses. I think even the Pac-12 had three. Um, and that's what this Saturday is so fascinating, Andy, because – now you get to see who I think 
when, when in totality, I will put that Auburn defense up against anyone in the country, and you get to see too. you get to see Steele now go at it uh, against this team, and he gets first licking as how to defend this team because I still think you got to run up and you got to press these guys and make Jones make you know make him beat you throwing the ball as opposed to playing zone and letting those receivers find the open area. That's my that's always been my thought when I want to press against a quarterback, I mean, that goes back way long ago before many of these people listen to the podcast, even watch football. But I, I, that's what I expect Auburn to do and really, really put some heat on Mac Jones with my man number five up front as he will just be tossing people. I, I, I'm, I can't wait to see that well, game. I'm going to make an admission, and I, I don't know if my Heisman ballot will wind up reflecting this, but I, as good as Chase Young is, as good as Joe Burrow has been, I still, in the back of my mind, think Derek Brown might be the best player in the country. How did he fall on that that fumble return? If he just kept his feet, no one was catching him. Oh, it's his eyes. That was Gainesville, right? That was it. I was at the game. Oh man, I don't know. How, uh, I mean, he was, it, it was, he was running it was, away from people. It he was tri- such joy oh. to watch a three hundred pound man accelerate and and outrun running backs. God, that would have been the greatest moment of the season, no doubt. It was it was incredible. So I'm I'm with you on Derek Brown. That that, that and nobody. There has never been a time when so many people have rooted for Auburn as there will come three thirty Eastern on Saturday. No, I, I also find it fascinating though because not never saying that Melzahn's not responding to pressure at all in this time as Auburn. I. I've always thought it's the toughest job, and the guy's been incredible in the circumstances that that job provides the head coach. But now it's it's at home. You're expected to win, even though you're an underdog, you know, in Vegas, um, and because there's no Tua. It's just it. This game has everything, and I, I can't wait to see how it plays out. It's going to be something. There, there's a lot of the the games that have everything. I, I'm going to Ann Arbor. Okay, I'm going to see Ohio State and Michigan, and. I, I have sort of silently been talking myself into Michigan giving them a game and I and I keep kind of like mentally slapping myself like stop it stop it yeah. stop it you you do this every time don't do this stop it but since the second half of the Penn State game it has looked like a different team mm-hmm. no doubt no doubt I was there in Madison for that beatdown and I really, um, you know, question the players because the players aren't into it. And in, in this day and age where everybody's talking about the coaches and what, how long a coach should get and all this, I still think with the opportunity and the, um, the, the things that are provided for players nowadays, these players need they're – not, they're not young kids anymore, all right? These true freshmen that have played for all these teams all year, they're not true freshmen anymore, man. They, they have played – some of them played bigger games than they might ever play in again. But when it comes to Michigan, I really thought it was on the players because they weren't playing as a whole. There was offensive linemen tapping themselves out, coming back in three snaps later. Stuff like that that really, really irked me. And it was early for Gattis to get going. I played in it back when the zone run schemes really first started getting into it. It took us smart guys at Stanford a year and a half to learn exactly what a zone run scheme should look like and, and go. So I gave Michigan. Well, and that, go ahead. That's what people don't, people don't get. There's so much feel to that. Oh, 
Is there, there's so many double teams either involving a, a center and guard, a guard and tackler, yep. tackle and tight end. And when do you when do you scrape off on the linebacker? Who scrapes off mm-hmm. on the linebacker? Which side should your head be on? These are things that nobody ever thinks about. That it's it's a lot instinct. If you've been playing together for a while, you don't even have to say anything. You know, no, no, yeah. there's no communication necessary. But yeah, early on, that's that's a pain in the ass. And, and I thought all offseason Gaddis was the right hire because of reading what Harbaugh did say and what he has done. He's, he's let Josh take the reins. And you can see that. I mean, they've never done this stuff before. I mean, in, a tough, in a really tough spot last week, they came out and chucked it all over the place against an Indiana team who's exceeded all my expectations this year and I thought would give them a game last week. That really jumped out at me because when I watch them in person in Michigan, I'll put that receiving corpse up against anybody. Uh, they don't have the, the wealth of, of Alabama and Clemson, but their top three are, are darn good players. And get those guys in space, we could have a ball game Saturday. But it is starting to feel like last year when everybody was talking about how good Michigan's defense was and Ohio State just rolled up their sleeves and said, oh, yeah, let's see how they can cover uh, this if they want to stay in man-to-man. They just, so, they just straight out athlete of them. They yeah. said, okay, you want to go – you want to go dude for dude against us, you have no chance. <laughs> and guess what? They if did. Michigan wants to go dude for dude against Ohio State this year, they have no chance. Mm-hmm. So they hopefully will figure that out. I I wanted to get into some other games with you, Steve. Yep. You and the Bear on your podcast do a great job. You're looking for the best bets, obviously. So you're, uh-huh. you're going a lot deeper than the, just the top 25. There is a game that utterly fascinates me. And that is Virginia Tech at Virginia, the ACC Coastal Championship game. Virginia has not beaten Virginia Tech since 2003. If you watch the game last year, you go, how in the hell did Virginia lose that game? Well, because there's some sort of dark magic associated with this series. I personally gave up on Virginia Tech when Duke went to to Blacksburg and beat them 45 to 10. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden... They turned into a great team. They beat North Carolina yep. in six overtimes, and then they can't be stopped afterwards. So what what happens in this game? And it's funny you say that. Last night I sent it out, and I, my most favorite matchups this weekend in college football are that game and Kentucky-Louisville because of the hatred. And first, Oh, we'll I, get into that, too. Yeah, first, the Virginia and Virginia Tech. I uh, Virginia and I were, were sort of seeing each other last year. And they they broke my heart, and I forever broke up with them last year after this game. Uh, I gave out Virginia as a pick. I couldn't believe the, the plot twist in that game, and uh, I am still heartbroken over them. Now, I have been checking them out every week this year, and I've noticed that they that, – you know, what they've done. They, they, they're that team that hasn't played in the title game from that division. Um, they've gotten themselves better. They seem to be playing more solid football. They still have these cataclysmic games they play where the where it's an absolute roller coaster. But Virginia Tech on the other side, and a lot like Michigan, they pick themselves up off the deck after some awful, you mentioned the Duke game, just some awful showings. How heartbreaking was the Notre Dame loss? I mean, that, they're, they're oh, they should have won that, that game. Day. Yeah. So a credit to their players, man, and a credit to Fuente who – you know, with all those rumblings after last year, what was it, the Marshall game that they didn't want to play to not they, go to a bowl game? They didn't want to. They didn't want to play so because so they wouldn't go to a bowl game. <laughs> I they mean, had a mutiny on, think, on the team. Think about that back in our day. That's all we did was play for a bowl game. 
Um, but, yeah, for the Hokies, it, it, credit to them. They've they gotten themselves off the deck, and they've been playing. I mean, last week was as a Virginia Tech win as I've seen in a long time, man. And they got it cranked up. What I will say is, is, is the game's in Virginia, right? Yeah. Because last the week, game, last yeah. The game is at the, the snake pit that is uh, Scott Stadium, to, uh, so, um, to borrow a phrase from your man SVP. Yeah. It, it's, I go on Chris Long's show every week, and he has been – I mean, it's once since he was in eighth grade, he told me, that they've won this game. So, I mean, they are chomping at the bit. I thought they might struggle last week, Virginia, against Liberty in a tough spot, you know, a look-ahead spot. But I, Virginia, I think, has the goods to sound – I mean, Virginia Tech doesn't, is not going to blow you away offensively. So I think Virginia, as long as they play sound defense, they're good at, they're, they're good at taking the ball away because they're so sound. And Bronco is just so, you know, even keel mentality. That's how the defense plays. The issue is Perkins. Um, if he's going to be good Perkins, they're going to be fine. If it's going to be bad Perkins, they're going to be hanging their heads again for another year in this game. So I think if Virginia plays well, now they're an underdog uh, at home considered by the guys out in the desert, but I think if Virginia plays well, they, they win this game. I, I, I think they're, the, 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 the roster, the guys that are on the field from top to bottom, I, I would take that um, over, over the Hokies roster. But, I mean, the Hokies have been a great story all year. So let's move over to the Commonwealth of Kentucky oh, where man. you've got Scott Satterfield who, if he goes 8-4 and four this year, I might. I think you might have to give him every coach of the year award, really? given what he inherited last year. Okay, it, it's insane. They now, I I contend that Louisville's coaches quit on the team Absolutely. before the team quit on the team last year. Absolutely, that's the first thing I was going to say. As much as I get on players, Louisville was so bad last year. The coach, the players had no chance because the coaches punted on the season, and you saw it real early in the year. And um, it was I, I, I couldn't imagine having to go to team meetings and, and, and practice and travel with those guys and having to look those, you know, coaches in the face, man. It's just – it's not right, and that's the absolute opposite of what any college football experience should be. Now you flip that over, and you saw what Satterfield did. You saw week one when Notre Dame came in in a perfect situation to show his guys that he could get them ready to play against a national program. Uh, but on the other side, I don't know if they get any tougher than what Kentucky's done this year, man. It is incredible what they do. Everybody knows they're going to run the football. They have a wide receiver playing quarterback who I love because he doesn't take his helmet off for interviews on the field. And he runs for, they run for 400 yards a team every week because and everyone knows that they're running the ball. Um, when you read before the season, Stoops talked about nobody knew who smell, um, who Snell and Allen were when he brought them in here. And he said, no one's going to know who these guys are on defense. And he's, he's proven that to be true because the defense is, is lights out. Uh, they had a tough loss against Tennessee where they blew a double-digit lead in the second half. But this is, I mean, this is hatred. This is uh, knowing that, you know, not, I don't know how much uh, we're supposed to uh, respect our opponents and rivals. I don't think these two teams respect each other. No. And that's this what is, I love about it. <laughs> this is not quite Egg Bowl level of hatred, but it's right up next to it. And uh, Lynn, so Lynn Bowden, Lynn yep. Bowden's from Youngstown, Ohio. So he's treating it like an Ohio State player would treat Michigan. He will not say Louisville's name. Mm-hmm. He also says it, it's, it's Steelers, old school Steelers, Browns, and we're the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I love Lynn Bowden so much. And I'm with you on the Mark Stoops. This is I, I would argue this is this year's actually a better coaching job than last year when they won ten games. Mm-hmm. Because because of what they had. I mean, th- when they lost touchdown Terry Wilson, yep. they went to Sawyer Smith. Sawyer Smith was supposed to be the backup and maybe the third stringer at Troy. <laughs> and they they were actually in a game against Florida. Yeah. Until Kyle Trash showed up and, and saved Florida. But they they've just they could win seven games. Yep. With with what they've done, which would be pretty amazing. Now, this also could be Mark Stoops' last game at Kentucky because he's a guy that Florida State has has kicked the tires on, and yep. uh, we'll see we'll see how that search goes. I I don't really know how that story ends, but he's a guy that that obviously would be on their radar. So that that game is going to be. A lot of fun, you know. Of course, you got the Egg Bowl on Thursday night. I'm I'm mostly watching for the inevitable brawl, but who knows? Could be Moorhead's last game. He could be decamping to Rutgers. Who knows? It's it's amazing. I was actually I made my first trip down to Oxford for that LSU game a couple weeks ago. Uh, really, to see Rice Plumley in person was incredible. Uh, I think, um, you know, obviously everyone wants to win more games uh, than they have. You know, when you're in this point of the season, talking about. Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but I, I really like what I've seen with Rich Rod in that offense, man. Uh, it's just a tribute to, to Rich Rod. He could he could score points, but you know, give him some time, and he will he will get an offense together. So that's going to be a fun Egg Bowl. There's no doubt about that. No doubt. Okay, now before we go, you mentioned you have two questions for me. Yes. So I, I am ready. We're going to turn the microphone around. Okay. Here's, Fire away. All right. Number one. How many impossible whoppers will you have in the month of December? Zero. <laughs> Zero. When I eat a hamburger, it is a hamburger made of cow. It is not made of soy and whatever other horrific chemicals they put in there. Here's my thing with all of those deals. We carnivore, well, we're, we're omnivores because we also eat vegetables. We've never tried to make steak taste like lettuce. Nope. Never once. Ever. And never will. <laughs> there will no, there will be no impossible whoppers consumed by me unless someone is trying to play a trick on me. Good man. And, and and but here's the other thing: there will be no regular whoppers consumed by me either. I I, okay. I just you know the fast food burgers. I got to got to watch those. It's all right. It's, that wasn't part of the question. Watching, watching I was the just figure. asking the impossible yep, yep. part. All right. All right. All right. And go for second, it. Second, what percentage? of Notre Dame fans still think they have a chance at the playoff because of a close loss to Georgia? Zero. No way. You know they're out there. They are out there. No, no. Yes, they no, are. Well, okay, you're, you're right. There's probably there's probably 2 or 3% because as I learned this morning, yep. which I did not know, <laughs> there are group texts, insider group texts that you can pay to be in if oh. you're a fan of a certain team. Uh, and this is not about Notre Dame fans. There are Florida State fans who pay for insider group texts who currently, in the year of our Lord 2019, in late November, right before Thanksgiving, believe that Bob Stoops is still going to say yes to be their coach. Oh, man. Man. They believe it with all of their hearts. He is their John Gruden. I didn't think this was – I just figured when the when the administration leaked to the Tallahassee Democrat that it wasn't going to be Bob Stoops, tried to let him down gently, that that everybody would kind of get it. But no, 
I, 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 I wrote the story about Odell Haggins, and, and I, I think yeah. I don't like the idea that Odell is being dismissed out of hand. I would like to if 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 they beat Florida, which I don't oh. think is going to happen. If if they're if they're in it against Florida, just think about it. I'm not saying hire him. I'm saying. If, if James Franklin doesn't want the job, if Matt Campbell doesn't want the job, if you're sitting there about to give Mark Stoops a six-year contract at $6.5 million a year with 75% of that deal guaranteed, ask yourself, what's the ceiling on this? Mm-hmm. And could we do just as well for a third of the money? Just just think about that. And and they went nuts. The Florida State fans went nuts. They're like, they're like well, no, no, no. Uh, here's, here's my wish list. Bob Stoops... James Franklin, Matt Campbell. <laughs> That's great. Bob Stoops is not coming. He's oh, not. You got, got the renegade to prepare for the XFL. That's right. That's exactly right. All right. He's got the best deal. He gets to coach some ball. I don't know how much they're paying him, but it's a decent amount. You know, Carol still – I don't know how much Mary Kay Carol's selling these days, but, you know, she's she's already got like seven pink Escalades. So mm. they don't need anything else. So and he he does not like recruiting. When he retired, a lot of it was because he did not like what recruiting had become. Florida State only recruits in the most competitive region in the country for recruiting. So he's not coming. Now James Franklin, if I'm him, I would at least listen. But I don't know that that job's any better than Penn State. I think USC might be better than Penn State because you can win the league easier. So if I'm James Franklin, I, I stay unless USC's an option. If I'm Matt Campbell, you know, I, I don't know that I want to be in the South. I'm an Ohio guy. Yeah. What if Michigan State opens? What if what if James what if USC opens and James Franklin leaves and Penn State opens? I, I just I feel bad for Florida State because there's not like there's not that big Southern guy this year. Mm-mm. There's not a guy out of the South where you think, okay, this is the next big thing. Because that person would jump at Florida State, and it wouldn't even be a question. Yep, absolutely. So, so three percent, three percent of Notre Dame fan base thinks they could get in. Three, three, three percent. Okay. All right. See, I, I have a very strange relationship with the Notre Dame fan base. I feel like maybe the ones I interact with are really, truly reasonable people. Wow. Because they all, they always seem to me, for the most part, like they get it. Maybe a little more than some other fan bases. Although I will say, the 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 fringe that thinks Brian Kelly is doing a terrible job and needs to be replaced is they make me laugh every single time. I'm like, you do realize his job is way harder than the the guy at Ohio State and the guy at Michigan and the guy at, at Florida State and the guy at Alabama and the guy at Clemson. Like the Notre Dame job is way harder than those jobs. Absolutely, and he's still winning ten games a year. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> All right, Stanford Steve, thank you so much. We can listen to you, Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast. Please subscribe to that. We can watch you on SportsCenter with SVP. You're giving out the winners that win, SVP. Maybe, maybe not. He's on a bye week. He's idle this week. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Appreciate it. You got it, my man. Anytime. All right. That's it for today, but come back on Friday after you've eaten all your turkey, after you've had a nice nap, after you've watched the melee that is the Egg Bowl, and we will get you ready for all the action this weekend, including Ohio State, Michigan, and the Iron Bowl. We will talk to you on Friday. Friday.